Hey there, everybody. Christopher J. Garcia, your host here for Match of the Year podcast. And today we've got a great, great match that there's a lot to talk about. The match is Samoa Joe versus Kenta Kobashi in Ring of Honor. 2005 was Wrestling Observer Match of the Year. It's got a number of things you got to talk about here. Um, and you have to start with Samoa Joe versus Kenta Kobashi by looking at the two guys individually because they have a lot of similarities. Kenta Kobashi was probably the best wrestler of the 1990s. Misawa is there too, but Kobashi had something different. He was not the top guy. He was the bottom of the four big All Japan stars in the starting the early 90s. Misawa was the top, Kawada, and uh, some folks say Kawada was the top, and then Misawa, it's arguable, then Tawe, and then finally, Kobashi. Match of the years, number of them, had been two with uh, against Misawa. I believe he had one teaming with Misawa against Kawada and Tawe. Had another one with Misawa in 2003 when he went to Pro Wrestling Noah. Uh, had one with Junakiyama. Huge star. Amazing worker. A very physical style uh, if you really want to see a match that was robbed of match of the year, uh, the Steve Williams Kenta Kobashi match from 1993, absolutely spectacular, incredible, very physical, lots of slaps. Towards the end of the 90s and into the 2000s, his knees started giving major problems, which led to long periods off, which eventually shortened his career, really. And part of that is that he was one of the biggest wrestlers to use a moonsault in every match. Great worker. Flip side. Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe started out in uh, 1999. I believe he even feuded with uh, John Cena in Ultimate Pro Wrestling in Southern California. Trained by Cincinnati Red. Great, great solid worker and a very different Samoan wrestler. And that's one of the things that's really interesting. When you look at Samoan, the history of Samoan wrestling, you have, of course, the Wild Samoans, uh, who were not the first Samoan wrestlers. They were the first to really break through big. Um, Hawaii had a number of Samoan wrestlers over the years. In the late 90s, after you had sort of the, uh, the Samoan SWAT team and the Islanders and these groups, and the Islanders only had one Samoan in them, I should note, but you had this sort of idea of what a Samoan wrestler was, and they were usually portrayed early on, at least, as Samoan wild men, of course. That faded by the 90s, and you had Rikishi, and Yokozuna, who were doing these sort of Japanese-influenced Samoan things. And then you had Imaga, who was back to the wild man. Samoa Joe was just a straight-ahead brawler. But he didn't brawl. Well, he did brawl, but he didn't brawl-brawl. And that's sort of the, the interesting thing. He works a physical, stiff style that is intense. And yeah, there's some brawling elements to it, but he's a technical brawler. That's the best way I can put it. The only other person I can think of off the top of my head who sort of worked that style, uh, and you do kind of get it now with uh, Brock Lesnar, but you have a technical brawling style with Chris Benoit back in the uh, early 2000s and late 90s. Uh, his matches with Kevin Sullivan definitely show that side. So you've got Samoa Joe, who had been champion of ROH for two years, lost the belt to Austin Aries eventually, and... Kenta Kobashi had been champion of Pro Wrestling Noah in Japan for two years. Those are huge reigns in today's climate. I mean, we're making a huge deal when CM Punk went a year with the belt. These guys were having amazing matches left and right. And by the way, this match is not their, their either one's best match. I would say the 2003 match with Misawa for Kobashi is his best. I would say that Samoa Joe's match with CM Punk from, I want to say 2004, maybe it was 2003, but that was his best match. So you have these great, great 
workers working together. And the match itself is brilliant on a number of levels because at times it flows through different ways. And here's sort of two great ways to look at it. One is that for about the first 10 minutes, it's the two of them showing who they are. Uh, It's just little things like watching Kobashi do his chops or Samoa Joe do his knee drop. But then something strange happens. They start working like the other person's past. And if you think about that, that doesn't make a lot of sense. At one point, Samoa Joe does a tope suicida. Uh, That's where you dive through the ropes to the outside, giving an elbow to the guy who's on the outside, which was Misawa's big move. And Kobashi's, or uh, Samoa Joe's used it but never to the level that he did here. He then brings him in, and then these, these little sort of short kicks uh, while Kobashi's bent over, which is what Kawada had done. So you see Samoa Joe is working these elements that he's, yeah, he's used before, but never like this. And it certainly works with the fact that he's working with a wrestler who fought against these. If you look at Kobashi, he's working American elements into his style does this great thing where he bends him back and then he gives him the chop, which knocks him down. And then he does the falling chops. You would recognize them instantly if you were a fan of uh, Ricky Steamboat. And then does the Samoa Joe knee drop. They're working their elements in. And that's brilliant. And what it does, more than anything, is it rewards the smart fan. It rewards the fan who has been watching these guys for years for their watching. And it it's... That is what Ring of Honor is best at. It is wrestling for smart fans. It's also part of the why it never reached the mass audience. When you have matches like this, like uh, Morishima versus Daniel Bryanson, Brian Danielson, yes, Daniel, Bran, Bran, the guy who's now Daniel Bryan in the WWE, uh, you see that what it is is it's requiring the viewer to have some experience with wrestling. And a lot of times WWE matches, they just require you to have known what went on exactly prior to this match. The interviews, the angles, all that. Here, it requires you to be soaked in wrestling to a degree. And Ring of Honor, which started as, uh, I think Rob Firestein saw the uh, King of Indies shows here in the Bay Area back in 2000, 2001, and said, you know, I want to make a company that brings these type of matches out. And he did. You know, he was the one who broke Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson, Samoa Joe, Austin Aries, Chris Daniels, all these guys. He, he brought them out. And giving us that was a huge gift. But the way that they booked it, and even since Firestein's been gone, it is a very, very smart wrestling fans wrestling. And that is somewhat limiting. There are people who will just never be able to connect with that because they aren't that type of wrestling fan. Go figure. Uh, The match itself is great. There's huge drama. There's huge flow. The crowd is absolutely nuts. Joe works his absolute ass off, and Kobashi is Kobashi. Uh, Kobashi at this point was starting to break down. His knees were bad. Uh, You know, when you're just, you've been doing this for 20-something years, and you start to break down. And he had some great moments. And occasionally he would move above himself. Uh, the 2003 and four matches with uh, Misawa and Akiyama, respectively, were those moments. And this was another one. This is a definite moment where he was in Kobashi 99 form, which is huge and great. Brilliant match. Definitely go watch it. It is so good. 
Uh, the career of both these guys afterwards had some interesting turns. Uh, sadly, Kobashi found himself with renal cancer and had to retire. It's okay. It happens to everyone. He, not renal cancer, but retirement. He is definitely probably, and definitely probably I understand, but you'll understand when I get to this. Um, he's definitely probably the greatest in-ring performer who is alive and not performing today. I would even include Shawn Michaels in that. And in a lot of ways, there are a lot of similarities between Michaels and uh, Kobashi. And a match between the two of them in, 19, in 2003 would have been amazing. Samoa Joe went on to TNA, huge star there. Left TNA uh, when they basically started imploding. Uh, has been at NXT working with Finn Balor. Uh, there's a great uh, feud between Balor and Samoa Joe that's just waiting to happen over the title. And he's a star. He's really a star. I don't quite see him as WWE main event star. Just because that type of character he plays, the sort of, I don't want to say cerebral assassin, but that sort of straight ahead, I'm going to kick you a lot. That type of character doesn't really play that well in WWE main events nowadays. Maybe it will. Who knows? I kind of hope so. Because I would love to see Joe, you know, I'd actually really like to see Joe versus Cena. I think that would be a great, great match for a number of reasons. Ring of Honor would have three match of the years in a row from the Observer. This one, uh, the next year, it was from Chicago, a uh, Dragon's Gate six-man, which we'll be talking about next week. And then Brian Danielson versus Morishima for five, six, and seven, 2005, 2006, 2007. Great, great matches, all of them. Were they the best matches, though? And I'm not sure about this one. I'm sort of fuzzy on exactly what was going on. I know Eddie Guerrero. I know John Cena were having great matches in 2005. Chris Benoit, Kurt Angle. These guys were all having top-notch matches all year. So I don't know if we can say for certain that this was the best match of 2005, but I can say for certain this is the match that was most rewarding to the people who would read the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. The smart fans, the fans who know this history, they were being rewarded with this match. And I can definitely see why it would have won match of the year for that crowd. I just don't know if it was match of the year. Is it match of the year? Does it hold up well with the other match of the years? Yeah, fairly well. It's not quite... Uh, Ozaki and Kansai versus uh, Toyota and Yamada. It's maybe slightly less intensely physical than something like Pat Patterson versus uh, Sergeant Slaughter. It doesn't hold up as well as something like Bret Hart versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. And it doesn't have that sort of emotionality that something like... Uh, Michaels versus uh, Flair, which I know didn't win the Observer. It deserved to. But it's a great match. And that's something that's interesting that I kind of have to think about when I'm doing this, is that not every great match is going to win match of the year. There can be only one. Well, okay, there can be four or five, but that's it. Out of the number of wrestling matches of the year, that's huge. It's a hugely small percentage. Great, great, great match. If you get a chance to watch Samoa Joe versus Kent Kobashi, do it. Because it's rewarding viewing. And watch it a couple times. Watch it once 
and then go and watch some more Kobashi, watch some more Samoa Joe, and come back to it. And I guarantee you, you will enjoy it more on your second viewing than on your first. Hey, that's all for today. Next week is going to be that Dragon Gate Six Man. Uh, that gives me a week to learn how to pronounce all their names. We're going to talk a little bit also. I'm going to try. I'm doing some more blog posts. I'm trying to get back into writing now that the twins are, you know, more stable at home. And I'm going to put together a look at matches that deserve attention in, and where they came from. And one of the first ones I want to do is Joey Ryan and uh, Candice LeRae versus the Young Bucks. Uh, absolutely crazy brawl from uh, Pro Wrestling Gorilla. It involves gummy bears. That's all I can say. And that's either going to be a blog post or one of these specials. Who knows? But I do know this. You've been listening to Match of the Year Podcast. <laughs>